Scott, I'm going to name you three teams, and there's two things that they all share in common. Actually, you know what? There might be three things. Uh, nope, nope, two. Okay, Vancouver, Colorado, and Dallas. There's two things they all share in common off the top of my head. Mm. Can you give me at least one of them? Vancouver, Colorado, and Dallas. Uh, I would say they all have an excellent number one defenseman. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. There's, 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 there's definitely more they have in common than I'm giving them credit for. Yeah. Uh, want, want me to spoil it for you? Sure. All right. Not only are they all Western Conference teams, they're the only teams in the National Hockey League with more goals for this year than the Boston Bruins. So the reason I bring up the conference part is that that means that there's no Eastern Conference team that has more goals for this year than the Boston Bruins. And potentially fact check me on that, Scott, but just looking up and down the, the, uh, the standings, I believe that to be true. Here we are in January, almost February, no Patrice Bergeron, no David Krejci, none of the aforementioned players that they had last year off on offense that I mentioned. And they are the highest scoring team in the Eastern Conference right now as we approach February. I mean, yeah. that is absolutely incredible. And that 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 that's that is indicative of Don Sweeney, who I have been hard on in the past at times. I've also applauded him in the past. I'm not a Don Sweeney hater and I'm not a Don Sweeney lover. I think he I think he's been a in general a, a good GM for the Bruins, but he has done he did a really, really good job this year identifying players for cheap. We've talked about that in the past. And combine that with just the players themselves stepping up and and playing a team game. That is, again, we're approaching February. That's no accident. Yeah, on, on a per-game basis, the Maple Leafs are 0.01 goals per game ahead of the Bruins. Uh, but that's it in the East. It's Canucks 3.79, Avs 377, Stars 363. Oilers 3.5, Leafs 3.49, and then Bruins 3.48. And the um, Bruins' defensive game is far better than Toronto's, so it's it's yeah. just like... And goaltending, yeah. Yeah, just everything. Um, but since since Christmas, to kind of circle us back around to like how much the Bruins have improved since that break and you know using that to reset, the Bruins are the number one offense in the NHL since then. So you're now talking almost a full month. Um, that they've been the best offensive team in the league, averaging over four goals per game. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned that streak that Winnipeg had. They had gone 34 straight games without giving up more than three goals, and the Bruins break that. Now, you know, the fourth goal goals an empty netter, but nonetheless, like, you just did something against the statistically the best defensive team in the NHL um, that no one else had. And, you know, and, and – the Bruins did a lot of that damage at five on five, which is Winnipeg's biggest strength. They've been a, an excellent five on five team this year. Uh, their special teams are actually like shockingly disappointing. They're kind of like bottom and definitely bottom half and maybe even like bottom third of the league in both power play and penalty kill. And the Bruins are the better five on five team against them, especially for the first two periods. You know, Winnipeg made a push in the third, which, you have to expect, again, they're a really good team themselves. They're not going to go quietly, but that, you know, also says a lot about the Bruins to kind of 
take that, you know, take that punch, absorb it, and then counter punch, hit back and, and extend the lead and, and close out the win. Yeah. And, you know, Scott, again, and we've talked about it in the past, but like the lack of an elite number one center has always made us feel like, yeah, there's just, there, there's a, they might have trouble scoring because people are going to be asked to do too much, maybe potentially. But I mean, if you look at the Bruins roster right now, especially if you keep it to like, you know, their forwards that are more or less going to play a full season, like, like no, the Bruins third and fourth line right now, like Trent Frederick, Morgan Geeky, those guys are already in the mid twenties in points. Geeky with 23 points. Um, Danton Heinen is in a fourth line role right now, 17 points in 38 games. Matthew Patra, 15 points in 32 games, like just ble- just beneath half a point per game pace. And he's in a fourth line role. Boquist hasn't played enough games to give a fair assessment. I guess what I'm trying to say is, yeah, this team might lack a, a true elite score number one center, which you've discussed already on this episode. Bergeron and Krejci never wear those things offensively. Um, but they also have that elite guy in Pashnak um, on the wing. You're looking at a Bruins team that, like, up and down their forward lines, like, they're all going to, like, their, their, their lowest scoring, scoring forward this year could end up in, like, the high 30s in points. Boquist, no, because he's not to – like, I'm just trying to say that guys that have a full uh, – close to a full season of games or a reasonable amount, they're all going to finish in 30-plus 30, 30 points in, in scoring this year. Yeah, or, or at least, yeah, like at least mid-20s, and that's – Besides Loco. Right, and I was just going to say, like, think about what we were talking about the fourth line not all that long ago where, you know, it was Loco, Beatrice, Steen, and I think at one point – like with a couple games left in December, they had gone the entire month with one point between them. And it's like, now all of a sudden you just look so much deeper and it does feel like any of their four lines can score. Any of their four lines can kind of swing momentum on a shift, get some ozone time, at least create chances. Um, And got, you know, I thought a fairly important development last night was, and part of it was maybe out of necessity, but Montgomery would continue to roll all four lines on the third period in a one-goal game, which we've seen him not do. We've seen him shorten the bench. And I asked him about that after the game, and he said, first thing he said was, well, everyone was playing well, so really had no reason to shorten the bench. And then the same thing is he did say, like, you know, we're in a busy stretch of the schedule. He knows they have a back-to-back coming up Wednesday and Thursday, so that factors in it too, but – but the first thing, the, the main part of that was everyone was playing well. And then I I had wondered at one point if, if Padre was going to have to ride the pine again because and, and Brick highlighted on the Nesson broadcast. He had, you know, I thought a pretty tough turnover in the D zone. He kind of held, 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 wasn't originally under pressure, ended up under pressure and flipped a backhand off the glass that was kept in the zone. And I asked Montgomery about that on Tuesday after practice. And he said, like, he actually didn't really have a huge problem with that. He said that the support on the play wasn't great. And he tried to make the right play, just getting it off the glass and out of the zone, which is, you know, better than trying to, all right, I'm going to throw this pass across the high slot or something, risking it picked off. Um, Obviously, it didn't work out. But I, I thought that was it was nice to see him stick with Padre and like not bench him stick 
with all four lines. Um, and it ended up being Potra's D zone work that poked the puck out into the neutral zone where Lauko ends up drawing a penalty that sends the Bruins to a late power play, um, which then they end up taking a penalty of their own. Uh, just getting an abbreviated power play, but then DeBrus scores shorthanded. So all works out in the end. Yeah, and look, the, the game happens so fast, especially at the pro level. I, I've never really been a fan of a coach benching a player based off of a turnover because it happens to everybody. I mean, it happened to Martian on, on Winnipeg's first goal. Now, you can sit there and say it was miscommunication with Coyle, and maybe Coyle should have been there. Um, but it happens. I think when a player needs to sit down is if it's, you know, if it's repetitive, if they're just kind of not getting it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I was glad to see that. Uh, now coming up next for the Bruins are the Hurricanes, Scott and Carolina has historically in, in recent years proven to be a really difficult matchup for the Bruins. And in my opinion, it's because they make it tough to get to inside ice. They have, uh, big defensemen they got good size in the back end long sticks um they just make it tough to get inside and getting to inside ice is what the Bruins needed to improve upon this year in my opinion this is a good test to see if having uh a a more improved developing Trent Frederick and adding a Morgan Geeky and Charlie Coyle like Let's see these fo- James Van Reems like these forwards that have length and size. Let's see if they can have better luck getting to the net against Carolina, which is, you know, it, again, they play that style of hockey that isn't always the funnest to watch, but it's playoff style hockey. Yeah. And even, you know, I think internal improvement from guys like Coyle attacking more this year to Brusque now going to the net much more than he was earlier in the season. Um yeah, and Carolina's a team that's playing a lot better now. They they got off to a slow start, uh, you know, to the point where you're like, are the Hurricanes going to be in danger of missing the playoffs? Like, they were way down there in the standings early on. Well, they're 8-2-1 and one in their last 11. They're firmly entrenched in a playoff spot. Them, them and Philly kind of battling for second and even pushing the Rangers for first in that Metropolitan Division. Um they their goaltending was awful early in the season, and they've sort of settled a little bit there with uh, Piotr Kachekov um, playing better for them. So, yeah, it is a great test. Another great test. You know, Winnipeg was. We've talked about Colorado, Vegas. Like this is a this is a tough stretch of the schedule for the Bruins. And you know, then right before the All Star break, you're at Philly. That's a team that is a lot better this season and looks by, you know, I won't go too far into all the analytics, but by all measures, it looks like a pretty legit team. Like it's not fluky what the Flyers are doing this year. Um, and even in between you, you're, yeah, you're in Ottawa, which should be a give me. That's not a very good team, but it's the second night of a back to back with travel. So that's going to be a challenge too. Um, yeah. It's if the Bruins, get into this all-star break with, you know, say winning two out of three of these, like that's, that's going to be a hell of a way to go in, but obviously they, you know, they've got to do it first. This is, this is a good test for them. And looking at the the current standing, Scott, it's, it's interesting to note that should things, should the season end tomorrow or today, you would have 
five Atlantic division teams in the playoffs, which I think would be the first time that's been the case since this realignment. I believe the Metro has, has offered five teams once before in the playoffs. I think the year, this is pretty early on in the restructure, but when the Bruins played the Senators in the first round, um, I think the Atlantic only had three that year. I think that they were the two and three and both wild cards were from the Metro. Right. So, so this, so this may be the first time if things hold Since up at the then, yeah, at the Atlanta. right? But but what you're saying is that was the Metro that had five teams. This right. would be the, this would be the Atlantic having five teams for the first time, correct? I thought is that so? Is that where we are at this point? Yeah, right now. Yeah, we might have we might have just confused each other, but yeah. So yeah, right now it's five Atlantic. Yeah, right. Which I think would be the first time that that's happened. If that were to happen what years what you're uh, what like by by points percentage i guess technically like capitals and devils are nah nah nah, nah. just ahead of that. tampa but like it, they're all right there they're all we, we don't within a that. point of each other two points yeah we look at the hard points i don't, I don't care <laughs> if some teams has like eight games in hand <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean i guess the reason i think i think about that is because I, I look at the standings and this would be a really good crop of teams in the eastern conference to to have in the playoffs. Like, like it's good for the NHL when the Flyers are in the playoffs. It's good for the NHL when the Red Wings are in the playoffs. Obviously, the Rangers are there, uh, the Bruins and, 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 and Toronto. A um, couple of teams that, I mean, the Devils, everybody expected to be there. The Islanders, we'll see what, what Patty Waugh can do. Pittsburgh, mm, they're in trouble. But um, anyway, just kind of a random thought. Pittsburgh should be, man, they really should be better than, than their record. But... They absolutely they, should be. They they can't seem to get out of it. So it, who mm. knows? It's such a crowded field that mm. there's, there's going to be a lot of teams there beating up on each other over the second half of the season for sure. And by the way, that means a lot of desperate opponents playing the Bruins. Like they're not, there aren't going to be a whole lot of games against teams that are either firmly in it or firmly out of it. There's going to be a lot of games against teams right on the bubble. Yeah, combine that with the fact that Bruins have learned from last year. And again, it's not as though the Bruins last year were playing out the string in the regular season, like not trying to win, not trying to keep good habits. What I was afraid of last year, and I think it came to fruition, was that it just it just happens subconsciously. It just does. You don't have that that desperation when you're 50 points ahead of everybody else. And you can't even manufacture it, even though the lip service was there. Um, I don't think that's the case this year with the Bruins. Like they're, they be, be, combine that with like they don't want that to happen again, but also like their opponents are going to force them to to play uh, to play desperate. I think every night, which is good. Yeah, and it's like it sounds weird, but it's almost a silver lining of not being as talented. And again, like they've been high scoring recently, but. They have to work more for their wins this year and not just because of their opponents, but because they're not talented enough to take two periods off and then just turn it on the third and come away with a four, two win. Like that they're not, if they're winning four to two, it's because they probably played at least two and a half really solid periods. Um, And that's good. Like that's, that builds the habits you need for the playoffs. Now, of course you can still be not talented enough to win in the end, but, um yeah to your point in terms of the just like the way they have to work for wins they're definitely testing themselves more this year 
What did Herb Brooks tell his boys? Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Or maybe that was just a Kurt Russell ad lib. I don't know if that actually was said <laughs> in real life, but according to the movie, it did. Um, but but listen, like Will Will does beat skill. Honestly, if skill doesn't have the will to match up, like absolutely it can. We we saw it last year. The last year's Bruins team was far superior on paper than certainly Florida, and I would beg. Any other team that was in the, that, that postseason, maybe except for like Colorado, if they were clicking, um, and and they were out in the first round. And you know the at the end of last season in the regular season felt a lot felt very similar to the beginning of this season, where the Bruins were winning and they were gaining two points every night. But I didn't love the way the Bruins were playing heading into the playoffs last year, um, and I didn't love the way the Bruins were playing in the beginning of this year either but they were still collecting points, but right now it's not the case right now. They're, I love the way they're playing. And I think, I think most people do. 